Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Denisons, the Denisons, the busiest in the biz. You do know who it is, it's Dennis Quaid. That's him. One of the highlights of working in Hollywood for so many years are the people you meet along the way. One of the most colorful personalities I've met is Gary Busey. I met him back in 1970-something, right after he had done Buddy Holly, and he was still known as Teddy Jack Eddie, that's Leon Russell's drummer. Today, Gary's my guest, and we talk about, well... Just about everything, as you could probably imagine, when it comes to Gary. I hope you enjoy it. I know I did. Welcome to the Denisance. I am here talking to the legendary Gary Busey, who I have known myself uh, since the very early days when I hit Hollywood. I remember when you came in here, you had a smile that was as big as the Golden Gate Bridge. I said, this kid knows how to have fun. (laughs) At least that's at least that's what came across. I think that's why I got hired. Yeah, okay. You had uh, you have a big smile yourself. You know, you have like you have big teeth, you have a big mouth, and you can. We know how to use them. I smile with my lips open. My teeth look like a piano farm. <laughs> uh, you were born in uh, Harris County, in what is now, I guess, Baytown. Yeah, it's uh, now. It was Goose Creek when I was Goose doing. Creek. Yeah, and uh, so we're really kind of from the same uh, era and uh, same place. But that's right near where uh, Sam Houston fought uh, the Battle of San Jacinto. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did a past life regression with my soulmate Stephanie, which she does. She's a certified hypnotherapist and does past life regressions. And I had dreams when I was six years old about the Alamo. In mm-hmm. San Antonio, and found out through past life regression, I fought there. I fought at the Alamo, was killed March 6th at dawn when the Mexicans came over the wall. This lifetime, I was yeah. born at the San Jacinto battleground where Houston beat Santa Ana in 20 minutes at dawn. Yes, I, pl- the Alamo. I played Sam Houston, you know, and I made one of the great uh, things in my life uh, was oh, the yeah, but getting to you know make believe as an actor, but we were it's very, we made that charge with eight hundred horses right across that wow r- right across the uh, the plane there. Uh, you were actually in that battle. You were actually yeah. living live history. Oh, it was incredible because we used to we used to pretend when we were kids about that battle, and at, you know we played the Alamo, we played the Battle of San Jacinto, and it was something else. Well, do you happen to know the name of the person that you were at the Alamo with a past life regression? His name, it, it was looked up by the Alamo uh, research detective of history. And I came from Chattanooga, Tennessee with David Crockett 
and I was 20 years old. My name was Billy Mills, and I got shot right above the heart at dawn on March the 6th when the enemy came over the wall of the... They, yeah, they came over that. It was more like a barricade that they came over. And huh? it, was over and it, it was more like a barricade that they came over, and it was over in about 20 minutes. And there are accounts that Davy Crockett actually survived the battle and was executed out in the yard there by Santa Ana, which... Well, I love what David Crockett used to say. He would always say... Be sure you're right. Right. Then, then go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, when, is, when, I was, when I was on my way to L.A. from Houston... At tw I was on my way to L.A. from Houston at, you know, at that age to come out here and be an actor and stopped in Llano, Texas, and right there in Llano, Texas, in the... In the courtyard there's a, a statue of davy crockett and the inscription be sure you're right wow then go <laughs> ahead yeah <laughs> i have a hat i have a hat with a bill on that says you guys can you guys in congress can go to hell because <laughs> i'm getting the hell to texas to fight <laughs> wow what a guy that's all good see i first met you um it was after buddy holly uh came up. In fact, uh, I I had just come out to L.A. My brother was actually up for Buddy Holly as well. It was between the two of you. Yeah. And, and uh, T-Bone Burnett, I met him around that same time. And uh, gosh, you were great in that movie. It was just... It, you know, that you, movie was... Uh, <clears throat> I realized after I'd made the movie, about three months after I made the movie, I was a messenger. Buddy Holly's spirit was singing through me. It was like channeling, and that's the way it felt. These, that's the way it was. These guys have made a movie before, so they figured, we'll just get somebody to sing. And I said, well, you're never going to get anybody to sound like Charles Harden Holly, a.k.a. Buddy. Hmm. Here we have it. It's just well, <laughs> the movie still holds up. I saw it not too oh, yeah. long ago. And it's just it's such a, a beautiful, and it's, Every every shot, every shot we did, every scene we did in the movie was one take. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. Yeah. So anyway, you grew up in Baytown, but you, you were in the fourth grade, I think. You moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. No, I was in Goose Creek, and then yeah. my father was a CB in World War II, and he yeah. ended up in the main on the mainland being a construction design manager, Safeway Storage. So we moved to Marshall, Texas, and Gladewater, Texas, 1950, Chickasha, Oklahoma, with the Apaches, kindergartens, mm -hmm. Oklahoma City, first, second, third grade, Tulsa, fourth grade, and on. Wow. So you I have roots in both states. That's a military, a military kid is what you were. So you, you were moved around a lot, different schools. You know, uh, my father is from Oklahoma. He's from Antlers. Antlers, just down south. Antlers, Antlers, Duran. And my parents both went to college in Marshall. So we have a lot of connections. Through yeah, we lives. do. Whether yeah. we know it or not, or like it or not, or love yeah. it or not, the connections are there. and We were born with them. Yeah. But anyway, in uh, it was in Oklahoma that you started playing music, that you got into music? I was... Uh, I was in junior high, and I would get Quaker Oats cylinders that were empty and Folgers coffee cans and little pots and glasses and get pencils and beat those things 
hit him in the living room. And my mother came out one day and said, stop playing those damn drums. And so I didn't stop. I self-taught myself, became in a band in Oklahoma State University. And yeah. that's when we came to California in 1966, traveled but, on the original Route 66. What were you? Uh, what were you beating? What were you beating those cans to? What music were you beating those cans to when you were learning? Uh, it was just a beat, and it had to do with an upbeat. Because in 1955, when I was in the sixth grade, that's when rock and roll hit the airwaves on the radio. Yeah. Were you Were you playing along with the radio? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. In fact, I would be doing my homework in junior high, and I would be listening to a radio show in Tulsa called KRMG. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. This is a talk show. I'd be watching <laughs> Superman with George Reeves on TV. Right. Doing my homework. Mother come and say, you can't do all this at once. And it came to me really quick without thinking. Mom, my assignment is to learn to do three things at once. She said, okay. Multitasking. <laughs> it's the wave of the future, Bob. Haven't you heard? Who was your musical hero from those early days? Well, it was Elvis Presley, Roy Orbison, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins when he sang Blue Suede Shoe, Gene Cochran. Yeah. To be Bob Lula. She's my baby. Yeah. Yeah, roll. music, I feel, is the highest art form of them all. I agree. I believe it's the language of God, actually. It stimulates all your emotions in directions you're not even aware of. I totally agree. Not only that, but you were Leon Russell's drummer, and your name was Teddy Jack Eddie. Well, I, I remember. Never... Yeah, that's true. That's true. I did a lot. Yeah. When did that happen? When did that name come about? It's in the early 70s. I was doing a local TV show in my in Oklahoma, right? Teddy Jack Eddie, Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Teddy Jack Eddie. So Leon knew me as Teddy Jack, and he liked Gary okay, but he loved Teddy Jack Eddie. So that was my name. How'd you come across uh, Leon Russell? I, I know he's from Oklahoma as well, right? Tulsa, yeah. Yeah. I took, uh, I had uh, friends take me to a studio at his house in Tulsa, and I went out and played the drums on my own. Mm -hmm. And from that day on, every day, his wife, Mary, would call me and say, Leon, I want you to come over and play drums. Oh, wow. And we have hundreds of feet of tape, just me and him playing. Wow. Did you play on, uh, did you play on uh, Hank's Back, that album? What? Hank's Back. Leon Russell's album, Hank's Back. Oh, no, I played on an album called Will the Wisp. Yeah. Another great album. Yeah. He was an, he was an amazing. It, it's unbelievable. He would go out in the studio by himself. And uh, Roger Lind is there and say, you want somebody to go with you? He said, no, I'll be by myself, but I'm never alone. I'm always protected. Wow. Yeah. I got he that. He was authentic. Me. He was truly well, authentic. He's really one of the unsung. See oh. the Gary Busey's got a, a bird on his head, by the way. I don't, know if, I don't know if he landed there or if he erupted out of out of his brain, but there is a bird. You know, either <laughs> good there. good because both of them are possible. <laughs> you know, it's good luck if birds land on your head, so I've heard. Well, 
What Granny does, the name of the bird, he tries to make a nest out of my hair. And uh, you're in- so far, pretty damn good job. You're on the podcast. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> Oh, listen, I had a show come on for the first time the other night. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's called Gary Busey Pet Judge. Ah, I'm a judge in court, and adults come in with their pets to have a grievance, and there's monkeys, cats, dogs, parrots, and I have to make, they give me the directions of what the case is. That's it. The rest is improv. And, and they rely on the judgment of Gary Busey to settle their disputes. Pet judge. And Pet one judge. man, let me give you this. One man comes in with a cat, Tabitha Cat, about this long. He wants to bury it like a Viking funeral. Viking funerals where they put the warrior, the Viking in the boat with all of his possessions and his weapons and send him out in the Viking boat with the oars and the dragon head on the front and in the back and the one sail. Then they would shoot flaming arrows into it to burn it up so it all sink. His wife wanted the cat to be taken to a cat mausoleum. Well, the empathy and the heartfelt statement the man made on burying his cat as a Viking, he got the judgment. You bury it's your appealing. It's, it's appealing, I have to admit. I saw the episode. Yeah, it's a good word. <laughs> I have to admit. It's, it's appealing. Hey, I want to get I want to get more into your music and like what brought you to LA. You were you were so you were playing in bands in in Oklahoma as Teddy Jack Eddie. Did you have any idea that you wanted to be an actor or not? No, no, no. I was uh, I was playing football at Kansas State and hurt my knee. Lost my athletic scholarship and then went to transferred to OSU, Oklahoma State University of Stillwater, mm-hmm. and auditioned and got a dramatic scholarship. And then I was in the Second Kai House. I just came in there because I was Sigma Chi in Kansas, and they had a guitar, piano, and a bass. I was a drummer. So we formed a band and called ourselves the Rubber Band, played all over the campus. And then mm-hmm. my idea was to take the band to L.A., 1966, on Route 66. We didn't have any gigs, but we went out there and started playing, made gigs. We got a deal with Epic Records and made an L.P., and then professional acting started for me in 72. Yeah. It was all and building up. You know, all of that was building up for me to prepare me to do the role in Buddy Holly. Well, of course it was. And uh, guess you had some really great acting gigs back then, too. I, I remember uh, your career and, and watching you. The, uh, was the execution of Private Slavic. I think Slavic. you had another. Yeah. Uh, there was Barbara Streisand uh, saw you in something and, and cast you as well. And you just seemed to, you seemed to fall into things. You were at the right place at the right time for well, here's so the, here's many the things coming Here's the secret. I met a, I had three scenes in a monologue and I saw in the calendar paper, come see this guy for a job. And I went to see a guy at Screen Gems, Mr. James Best. God bless you, Jimmy who was working for Rene Valente, scouting for new talent. He brought me to his workshop. I was there for three years studying camera awareness and film technique. And that's what gave me the foundation. Right. Cold reading, knowing how to steal a scene without moving too far. Yeah. We're in a two shot. 
Yeah. We're the master, two of us. And then they got, they're filming on the, the star of the show first. Well, uh, do what? Listen, what I you, do. How was, long was it? How long was it that you were? Let me yeah, go ahead. Go what ahead. What I would do, what was taught by Jimmy, when the star has a line and they're filming him, move over half an inch to your left and you will cast a shadow across the bottom of his face and I'll get the shot. They'll cut that out. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, work, <laughs> I worked with Mickey Rohde, so I knew all those old star oh, tricks. Oh, God. Wait. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll say this now. We need to exchange numbers and get together personally. We actually should. We should play. You can see the guitars in the back here. I see uh, them. Yeah, we did actually play a long time back there. It's I have my guitar right here. So uh, you're you're in L.A. You're in L.A. and you're in the the company of like there's Nick Nolte, Jan Michael Vincent, uh, and you, uh, Jeff Bridges. Was that you were kind of all Bridges, in the same Nick kind Nolte. of class? Huh? You were all kind of in the same sort of class of Hollywood, you know? Uh, yeah, well lived around back each other. then, like which is late '60s, early '70s. All the uh, AIP movies and. Yeah, drive-in movies. And do you find yourself doing drive-in movies as well? Drive-in movies. That's what we used to call them. Remember, instead of B-movies, they call them drive-in movies. Like AIP would make them. Drive-in movie where I grew up was where you check, park your car, get a speaker, and watch the screen. It's all outdoors. Yeah. I had a, I had a job in a drive-in movie, and I was supposed to take the speakers that weren't put on the rack and put them back up. On the back row, if you ever came to a car where a female's panties were on the antenna, don't go near it. <laughs> if this car is rocking, don't come knocking. What? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Another, Another great shot. So, but that... Uh, you you got you got smaller parts as as time went on and you're still doing music and whatever. But then along comes Buddy Holly and that just changed your life completely, right? Well, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. I didn't see it coming. I told those guys they were gonna, the the guys who made the movie. You're not gonna find a guy that sings like Buddy Holly. And I got to go surfing in a movie, Big Wizzy. So God bless you. Good luck on your movie. Adios. Enjoy hey. Southnick. The niece of David Selznick was mm. getting me in that area. Mm. Hey, there was you got, yeah, you got nominated for an Academy Award for it. Uh, I think you you won the uh, New York Critics Award for New it York Critics as well. Generation uh, uh, Discovery of the Year, and yeah. awards are great. But my biggest award was getting chosen to play Buddy Holly. Yeah, I hear you. Not only that, it started a revival of Buddy Holly music. You had that same feeling when you played Sam Houston. Mm -hmm. Well, it started a revival of Buddy Holly music. I know I was in on it as well. And I, uh, I learned just about every uh, Holly song there is. It, it's amazing the influence that he had, how many songs he wrote and died. At, he was 24, I think, believe, uh, when he died. Is that correct? 22. 22. 22. February third, one fifteen a.m. Out of Clear Lake, Iowa, the pilot was not trained with instrument training, mm -hmm. and it hit the ground without knowing it. And I went to the crash site, and the plane hit the ground and went on the ground five hundred feet to hit a fence. Yeah, gone like that. It was uh, it was Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, 
Richie Valens and Waylon Jennings. Uh, had, I'll tell you that story. Had, they had flipped a coin or whatever for uh, for who was going to be able to get on the plane, and Waylon well, Jennings lost. Waylon told me this. He said, "JP, Big Robert from Beaumont, Texas, went up to uh, Waylon and said, could I have your seat on the plane? Because I'm sick on these school buses that don't have any heating.'" And so Waylon said, I went back to Buddy and told him. And Buddy said, well, you're going to freeze to death on that train, on that bus, and you're not going to be able to play the next gig. And Waylon looked at him and said, yeah, you're going to take off, and your plane's going to crash. Yeah. Waylon didn't come out of his house for two years yeah. after that that's happened. A tough, that's, that's a toughie. That's hard. Well, let me talk about life after Buddy Holly. <laughs> Baby, baby, I'll have you. Baby, baby, you'll be true. Baby, baby, I'll have you someday. La, 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 la. Honey, honey, you don't care. You never listen to my prayer. Baby, baby, I'll have you someday. Hey! Funny, honey, don't care. I'm gonna tell you how it's gonna be. Ah, you're gonna give the sweet love to me. Keep playing, I'll be right back. I want to get my good guitar. My love for you has got to be real. For you to know just how I feel. My love's for you not fade away. My love for you not fade away. That was Buddy singing through, Buddy Spirit singing through me. Not yet. and a huge music fan, and I want to tell you about a new podcast that I discovered. I've been listening to Eric Krasno Plus One, a podcast hosted by Grammy Award-winning guitarist and producer Eric Krasno. I love the interviews. They go deep with musicians, and you hear stories of life in the studio, life on the road. (laughs) Those are really good, or bad, depending on which side of the story you're on. 
You got stories with bandmates and all the other shenanigans that go on behind the scenes. On Plus One, Eric has candid conversations with legendary musicians, many who are also his friends. And at the end of each episode, Eric plays a favorite track from his guest. So it's great for discovering new music, too. On Plus One, Eric has candid conversations with legendary musicians, many who are also his friends. And at the end of each episode, Eric plays a favorite track from his guest. So it's great for discovering new music, too. Eric's talked to people like Dave Matthews, Marcus King, Chris Robinson, and upcoming episodes feature conversations with John Mayer, Questlove, Derek Trucks, Phil Lesh, and so many more. So take a listen to Eric Krasno Plus One. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcast. Hi, Dennis Quaid here. Hey, we all have tough days and things that interfere with our happiness or achieving our goals. If you are looking to better yourself, then you should look into BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. BetterHelp evaluates what you need and connects you to your very own licensed professional therapist. You'll be connected in less than one day, and you can send messages to your counselor anytime, day or night. This is not self-help, but it is professional counseling from the comfort of your own home. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you could schedule your own weekly video or phone sessions. Confidential, convenient, professional, and affordable. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Quaid. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash Quaid. After Buddy Holly, you started getting starring roles. And how do you think you handled that? How do you think you handled getting famous, getting successful Great. like that all of a sudden? Great. I'm an everyman from Goose Creek, Texas. Texas Roots, you know, Oklahoma Roots. Yeah. Raised with great parents, great brother, sister. And I had a coating of of uh, powerful light upon me when I left to do this. And I did it without thinking. I did it without thought. I did it without running. I did it without pursuing something like a, a renegade warrior. I just went and it was given to me. That's what happened. Yes. Yes, but that, do you think that you handled it well? Because I myself, I'm talking, I'm, I'm really kind of having a conversation with you because uh, nobody teaches one how to be successful, except, especially in this in this movie business. I don't think I handled it very well, especially during a time when you know there were a lot of drugs around. Which uh, I, I myself, I don't think I handled success very well when it first came to me. Well, once, uh, sometimes the way you handle it is the teaching points and the lessons you get to make it better the next time out. Cause that's what it is. It's an evolution of yourself with your art and art is only the search. It's not the final form. It's forever yeah. and unlimited. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but it's good. What was that? I, that's, <laughs> that's my little throat coat. I'm so happy. But, uh, 
anyway, you know, I there was a lot of cocaine back in the seventies and the huh? and the eight. There was a lot of cocaine back in the seventies yeah, and eighties. I got into that. I got into that. <clears throat> yeah, which which I did too. I remember, in fact, you and I. I think we did that to, a couple of times together. To tell you the truth, I think I remember visiting you on a movie set with. I was with PJ Souls. I was married to PJ Souls at the time. It was like oh. 1982, and you were doing was a movie. Came you? to visit PJ Souls. You remember PJ? Oh yeah. Well, she was married to Stephen Souls, uh, who was in the Alpha oh, Band. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Right. I love that. And yeah, we were both kind of cases of uh, of. Just we were just a little bit too excited about things back then, and it uh, came back to bit to bite me. And uh, it was nineteen ninety nineteen. Well, I'm, t- I'm saying nineteen ninety. I had like one of those white light experiences where I realized that if I didn't get off of that stuff, that I was going to lose my uh, life, or at least lose, lose my career, or lose everything I ever had. And I went to rehab, and I got lucky that I got it the first time. And what happened? What happened for you? Well, I was doing cocaine, and that was uh, cocaine was my first relationship. The motion picture industry, my family ran a distant second, and I OD'd. And uh, nineteen what? Nineteen ninety ninety five? May the third, nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. In my home, and they took me to the hospital and pumped me out, and I had a tube in my throat about that big blowing air in, and I was in the shape of a Christian cross flat on my back, and I had juice come out of my eyes, my nose, and my mouth, and they were pumping my stomach. And then uh, I recovered. When I recovered, it was a great thing to do. Yeah. So, hard, to get, yeah. Hard, to, hard to get away from, isn't it? Well, you're, you know why? It's hard to get away from. Because you're always searching for that first high you got. Right. And it will never come back. That first five minutes, five minute high that you got doing it, and you spend the next 24 hours trying to get that back. Yeah. The next 24 hours. Never go. Never go. There was a thing called bass back then, too. Who? Did you ever, bass, cocaine bass? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did some of that. I think it was actually, you know, expensive crack was what it was. Yeah, you sit in a circle. What I was doing, I'd sit in a circle and pass the pipe around. Mm-hmm. If anybody sat between you and that pipe before it's your turn, it was bad emotion. Yeah. I yeah. said, "Yeah, this is yeah. not for me." Well, I'm leaving this. I circle. was lucky that I, I didn't uh, get into that. I know a lot of people lost their houses and lost everything. Really, what it was was crack. Only cost, oh, it was like two thousand dollars a night. Crack was what it was. I think. At the time, for but, you, but those were well. That's what it was back then. It was very expensive to do, and you had to be on chemist to make it. And uh, <clears throat> but it was crazy days, man. What was actually you know acceptable <laughs> behavior? <laughs> I don't think we'd get away with with today, man. Well, hey, uh, c- congratulations on your new relationship. Thank you very much. Now, thank you. I very, have, very I have much. a book out called Beauxisms. Oh. Wow. When did that come out? And what abuse is out now? What abuseism is, I take the letters, I take the letters that spell a word and create a new definition for the word with the letters that spell it. The the word nuts, N-U-T-S, yes. that stands for never underestimate the spirit. 
and you like this one, fart, F-A-R-T, feeling a rectal transmission. <laughs> and the word war, W-A-R, women and religion. And here's what you really like, relationship, R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P. Stands for really exciting love affair, turns into overwhelming nightmare, Sobriety hangs in parallel. Now, do you think this is a skill that came about after what? your overdose? Is this a skill that came to you after your motorcycle accident? Uh, see, motorcycle accident, I died. I passed away yeah. after surgery, and I went to the spiritual realm and the supernatural surrounded by angels, balls of light. that were breathing and loving, and I felt love and trust and protection like I've never felt that on earth. Right. Because your spirit's there, your body's not. Right. And I was talked to with one of the balls of light that told me what I was doing was good, but the direction I was going in and my responsibility was to mankind was to look for help in the spiritual realm. And that's when I got the brand of spirituality. So who was that voice? Was it the Holy Spirit? You're, you are you are you are a Christian, by the way, and you were baptized. I would I would imagine, right? Yeah. Well, here's the di yes, that's true. Here's the difference between organized religion and spirituality. Organized religion is built for people to be afraid of hell. Spirituality is for people who have been there. <laughs> I, I quite agree with you, but the book is my story, my memoirs of everything I've been through. Everything I've gone through to get to where I am now. Well, how long has that been out, Gary? You get a Barnes and Nobles or Amazon. Yeah. Buseyisms. Gary Busey's memoirs. <laughs> so you were you were out. You were gone. You were dead. Your heart had stopped for how many minutes did your heart stop, did they tell you? You're not keeping time when you're in that zone of unconsciousness. Well, I'm sure the doctors were. How long was what? What's the question? How long were you dead? You were you your heart stopped for how many minutes did your heart stop? They don't have a measurement of that. The doctors weren't there met, keeping well, time I, on that. You said, you know, it's just near death. It's like you have to wait. They waited and I came back. Yeah. Went, Here is the abusism for truth. T-R-U-T-H stands for Taking real understanding to heart. Because your heart holds all the truth you are. Right. Then and will be. Here's yes. one for you. Hey, here's one for you. Sober. S-O-B-E-R stands for son of a bitch. Everything's real. Oh, boy. Uh, let's get to the uh, People can, can get the book and stories, and I, I encourage them to go out and get it. But I'd like to get a little narrative going on here with you for, for people to know your story. Stephanie, my sweetheart, soulmate, wrote the book on her computer in 10 months. Yeah. She would tape me, tell him what was it like with you and Leon Russell and different things. So, but she, she's an incredible writer. Plus, let me tell you this. You could go to YouTube and see her comedy stand up. She is so funny without being funny. Mm. Her opening line is, 10 years ago, I met an actor named Gary Busey. He asked me to marry him. I said, yes. Apparently, brain damage is contagious. <laughs> you relate, eh? Uh, 
No, yes, go to YouTube. Do. Everybody hearing this, go to right. YouTube for Stephanie Sampson Busey's stand-up comedy act. Yeah. So how long did, let me get to this. I want to get back to this motorcycle accident. Then we get past that and we can talk about the present and the future. Okay. But so you had this accident, you were on PCH and uh, you, you woke up. You, What's the question? What? You had this motorcycle accident. I had it on the corner. On PCH. It no. was 1995, I believe. No, I had it on the corner of Robertson and Washington. Right across okay. the street from a motorcycle shop called Bartels. Yeah. I turned the corner. Back tail started, back wheel started fishtail, hit the rear brake, and we went down. And I got scared. I went, so I hit the front brake, flew me over the top, <clears throat> hit my head on the curb, and split my skull from here to here, knocked a hole in it, and wow. uh, took bones out of my pelvis to fill the hole. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I, Passed away after surgery and went to the spiritual realm and then came back. And the next thing you remember, you woke up at a hospital bed? Uh, it was about uh, two and a half months. I was walking two- around and doing things, but on January the 8th, 1989, the accident was December 4th, 1988. On mm. January the 8th, 1989, January the 8th is Elvis Presley's birthday. I came to and I had a guitar and couldn't play it because I was too weak. But man, the learning experience I had by rebirthing myself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. What a lesson, what a school to be in. And I'm so proud of it. That is a spiritual journey like few have ever known. What? That was that's a spiritual journey like few have ever known, Gary. I know. And uh and I'm so glad we still have you on this earth. I can tell you that. Because you're, yeah. you're a beautiful human being. You have so much love in, in you. And it really comes across. And you have so much wonder. A wonder of, of God's creation. Which, it, it, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. But what was your recovery time? When was the next time you worked after, after okay. that? It was pretty quick. Uh, recovery time was uh, two and a half, three months. Three months and two weeks. And then I met Catherine Bigelow, director, and she cast me in a movie called Point Break. Mm-hmm. I played a renegade detective, dude. They were great in that. So, yeah. That was after Big Wednesday, wasn't it? Big Wednesday was, Big Wednesday yeah. was 1976. Yeah, it was 76. What a great movie that was. Uh, you, you've had, a, you've had a, a really great career. Uh, the... Uh, Movie you made with Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges. Who? Oh, yeah. Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges. Last American Hero. Yeah. Donna War and uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Right. And Thunderbolt and Lightfoot is the one that I that I was looking for there. So that how did that change? How did having that motorcycle accident change your day to day living? As far as being inside your head. Did it change the way you felt inside of your brain, inside of your body and your being? Dennis, that's a great question. <clears throat> and what I got the feeling from as I proceeded through recovery, in recovery, out of recovery. And there's something when you have a traumatic brain injury, you're always recovering. And my brain didn't get damaged. It got altered in a way of seeing things in a different light, in a different angle. Mm-hmm. The perception of your brain and your mind 
is magnificently huge. Like if you have a situation, you have a problem. You put that problem in the center of a circle and go around the circle one degree at a time, you'll see that same problem from 360 perspectives. And they give you such a vision because there's more than one way to see one thing. And we it's, have that gift, humans. It, uh, well, sounds like it, it really blew you up spiritually because uh, there's, oh. we, are, we are just the little souls out here just trying to figure out uh, an elephant. And, uh, you know, one's touching the trunk and one is touching the tail and one is you know, uh, touching the feet. And they all have different, they're all blind people, but they have different uh, opinions on what, what an elephant is. And uh, that's the, basically the story that you just told so well. Broader, that, it's a broader and grander way to see something. Yeah. Well, you've you've really uh, taken that out. You're a vowed Christian, and uh, you've really been trying to take that message out to uh, t- to people uh, over the past since that's happened, right? I'm doing that. What's that? I'm doing that with my living standards. Yes. Kindness and grace and giving love to those who are alive. But I, I would like to bring us to the to today as well you're now part of audio ups uncle drank which is going to be an incredible show you're going to be you are going to be uncle drank found some clams yes that was so much fun uncle drank you're going to be channeling uncle drank now who's a fictional character but he's a real person if if you're gary Busey. oh yeah yeah i've Uh, brought him into my self and himself uncle drank created his he comes with his own personality i have yes. nothing to do with it i'm just here as a messenger right and uh pet judge gary Busey, pet judge on amazon prime yeah that's on the well, air now well uncle drank uh, had many hit songs he's a true fictional character that was a, a legendary songwriter and uh gulf and western performer who has reemerged after decades uh, in the form of Gary Busey. My favorite song of his was getting a hand job during happy hour. <laughs> yeah. Hick start my heart. Of I course. Love that song. Which was another great one. And I, I know audiences are uh, going to be thrilled. And uh, there are so many people looking for the reemergence of uncle drank who I'm sure we're quite sure that they knew him back then, even though he was a fictional character. Well, he's not fiction anymore, but you're looking at him. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to come up with one of your Buseyisms for fiction. For fishing? Fiction. Oh, fiction. Yeah. Do you have one to send us off with? Get it now. How do you spell it? F-I-C-T-I-O-N. Oh boy. Facing, if I see facing insecure consciousness to ensure others, other news, fiction. To ensure other news. To ensure. To F, how do you spell it? F I C T. Okay. I-O-N. Ensure tendencies and overcoming nothing. Overcoming nothing. 
to ensure okay. collective right. ensure collective tendencies in overcoming nothing is fiction. Oh. All right. Okay. Fiction. F I C T F I C T Finding in secure conscious tendencies in overcoming finding in secure conscious tendencies and overcoming now. Finding insecure conscious tendencies and overcoming now. Finding insecure conscious tendencies and overcoming now. Finding insecure I'm going to say finding I can't throw it out now. Finding I can't throw it out now. <laughs> it's going too far. Find, what did you say? <laughs> finding I can't throw it out now. <laughs> God. Hey, Gary, I'm going to have to get going here because uh, I got kids to pick up and, and you know, things, kids to pick up from, uh, from you know, drive-by birthday parties and stuff. But, hey, I, I want to get together with you in person, and I want to yeah, uh, play that. some guitars, and let's continue this interview. What do you say? I, I think it's great to do because there's all kinds of fertility in this. I'll come out I'll come out and see you or you you can you can come over here to the uh Denisance lounge but we're going to continue this. Anyway, I want I want to tell you that I love you. I think you're a beautiful human being and you're you're such an asset to this world. You really are. Who are you? Listen, I know this for a fact because of my spiritual growth and my looking into the past. We have been in past lifetimes together. Our souls have I know we were in the 70s. If, the, if that counts as a past lifetime, yeah, you then you're born and right. Cowgirls with no clothes on. Anyway, my friend, have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon, okay? We'll continue. God bless. See you later. Gary Busey, everybody. Remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Remember Goliad. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Denisance. Please make sure to rate, review, and of course subscribe so you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast player. Hey, and make sure to tune back in next week. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.